0: the old covenant, the new covenant. There's all kinds of different thinking about that, you know, and, but we can get to the point of the old is just the old, and the new is where we live, and this is it, but there's an old covenant and a new covenant. They're both covenant. The Bible says the new covenant is a new covenant based on better promises, And part of those better promises as we go through uh, getting a little understanding of covenant is really this. I want this to kind of get into your thinking right off the bat is this, that really with the blood of bulls and goats, you still had God over here and man over here. And God working through the covering of the blood of bulls and goats to execute in what he had promised with man and bring man to that. And so the works of the law, again, not to, not to undo anything said, but to, to hopefully bring greater revelation, there, there was, you know, here's what we did, here's what God did. Here's what we did, here's what God did, right? And so we try to do this to do what? To then earn what God's going to do. But there's a melding together of that in the new covenant in this, that God's not over here and we're over here. What happened in the new covenant by the blood of Jesus is we're no longer still separate. He's no longer in a temple afar off in an enclosed holy of holies where the people are on the outside doing what they're doing. They bring sacrifices of their own strength, raising their lamb, their bull, whatever they could bring for a sacrifice. The priest taking that sacrifice, going into that place of God separate from the people and offering the sacrifice for the people. But Jesus, being that high priest, came in once for all, that we are no longer over here and God's over here. God, in that blood, has merged us into one. So the effort of trying and trying and trying in our own strength to do my part so that God will do his part, there's some understanding and covenant that comes, but if we don't ever bring that into, well, I did my part, but I don't think God did his part. Or God did his part, but I don't think I'm doing my part is where we stay separate, but when we start to see God did his part, I received it, and now his very life, his very nature is in me, so I'm not trying of my own strength. It's part of my character. It's part of who I have become in Christ Jesus. The whole goal, if you will, of Christianity, Christ dying for us, is to break the sin that separated us and to bring us back to the original intent Which is, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. So when Christ came and you got born again, you returned to the very life of God. Into his image and his likeness. No longer separated by sin, but joined by the blood of Jesus that the union of us would be one. And as we say that, your mind will start to tilt and go, yeah, but wait a minute. But wait a minute, because the enemy will always try to keep our mindset and our thinking is how we are separate. God is trying to get our thinking into union with Christ. Any man that be in Christ, engrafted into Christ, is a new creation. Old things of separate living And sin have passed away. And behold, everything has become new because now everything proceeds from the life of God flowing through us. And when he is the vine and we are the engrafted branches, the same life in the vine is flowing into the branches which produces fruit. He said if you don't understand this and you're offset from the vine and you're not producing fruit, Or if you say you're engrafted in the vine and it's not producing fruit, then it is to be cut off. So the understanding of the union of the vine and the branches and the fruit that comes is a oneness that flows in that. So we're going to go back to really talking about covenant uh, and how covenant is cut, what's done, so we're going to weave in between the old and tie it to the new. But if we simply just stay in the, the old, then we start to think, well, you know, if I do this, then this. But he's joining us all together as one. Praise the Lord. And so we want to bring some knowledge, the best that we can, the best that I can. Uh, we're not doing this um, I'm going to just do my best. I'm not doing it to shoot over anybody's head. I'm just trying to bring some understanding about covenant to us so that we can kind of join together and understand the principles of covenant. We can read the New Testament in the light of understanding of covenant. There's so many new covenant scriptures that if we don't understand covenant, they don't make sense to us. If we just understand the Western uh, uh, American democratic mindset we won't really understand things like even written to the hebrews we hear this all the time do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but do even more gathering together as you see the day approaching so that you might build one another up encourage one another in love and good works because if we continue in sin after we have a knowledge of the Lamb slain in the covenant that we have, there will not be another sacrifice for sin. And if under the old covenant, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, you could be proven to have broken the covenant, and that would mean death, how much worse Someone who would tread underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ and frustrate the spirit of grace. See, we hardly get to that scripture because we're not really understanding the importance of covenant. He said our gathering together and understanding the importance of covenant and how the covenant that we have with God moves down through the whole family. We hold one another together. Because there's sin out there. And we gather together to encourage one another in the love of God, what he's done for us, and the good works that he's called us to. Not the works of the flesh, but the works that come from the grace of God. Because out there in the world, every single day, being pressured by the course of this world, it would be easy just to get off track and flow. But we join ourselves together. We support one another in what? That covenant that we have with God individually, and that flows down corporately into our family and into the church family. And so, you know, it's going to be difficult to articulate. I'm just going to do the best that I can, get where we can at this point. To hopefully help bring an understanding so that when we read the New Testament, we can begin to go, oh, I'm reading that with a light of not just simply thinking about, well, grace covers it. But I'm in covenant, and my covenant has to do with grace instead of my working. In other words, my covenant has to do with now he lives in me. He's not living in this place that I have to work to bring this all. He lives in me. The covenant now is not with a God in a temple made with hands. It Now my covenant is with the God who lives in me. Uh, That I am the temple of God. That wherever I go, he goes. Because I have a covenant with him. I have a covenant with him. So Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Again, we'll get to Hebrews chapter 10. Hosea chapter 4, 6, he says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. He said, they they actually have rejected knowledge. Then he goes on, he says, the way that they've rejected my knowledge or the correction is because they have forgotten my laws or they've forgotten the terms of the covenant that they live in. So he said, when you forget the terms of the covenant that you've cut with God, and you, or you don't know them or acknowledge them, then you come out from under the covenant, covering of that covenant. And so if we don't talk very much about covenant, or you know, we sing songs about covenant, but we don't talk about how covenant relationship works, then we could get unknowledgeable about it and find out things are happening that we don't even understand what's going on, yet we've drifted out from under the covenant that we have with him. We're living our own way, making our own decisions, doing it our way instead of his way, and then saying, yeah, but I'm a Christian. Why isn't this happening for me well? But we want to see the covenant that we've made with him. So Romans chapter 12 in verse 1, again, we're getting to Hebrews chapter 10, but I'm just going to read this to you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Other translations say it's your reasonable service of worship. When you understand covenant, God gave his, Jesus gave his life for us. We're exchanging life for life so that we can be one. So he says it's not, it's not uh, unreasonable to think that you would give your life a living sacrifice to him. It's just reasonable if you understand covenant. Now, if you don't understand covenant, it's not really reasonable that I would give up my whole life for him. But when you understand covenant, I know you think, well, wait a minute. I think that just goes away from the gospel. I thought it was all free. Well, it's free in the sense that no matter what sacrifice you give, you could never have earned salvation. He gave his life so that the power of sin would be broken so that his life now could become your life, but your sacrifice is laying aside the old life of sin apart from God to receive the sacrifice and enter into a supernatural relationship in God not just with God, but in God, him in us, us in him, right? So this is where it starts to blow our mind, because we can say it, but to understand the spirit of God dwells in me, and I'm aware of it. That is the source of my life, that is the source of the direction of my life, that is the source of the knowledge of my life, that is the source of everything. Yeah, but wait a minute, Uh, what about my job, what about those things? Well, certainly there's things that you, you study in the natural about that, but he knows more about your job than you do. He has inspired ideas about the way you do your job, that if you're listening to him, It'll be more efficient, better, and all that. But if we say, well, he's over there in my prayer closet, and he's over there in the church, but right here at work, it's me. It's about me and what I do. We'll sell ourselves short. You can do a good job, but many people are frustrated. They're overwrought. They're overworked. They're under pressure. And he said, listen, if you come unto me when you're under all that pressure and learn from me learn from me he has a few things that he would like to teach us he said so we give ourselves over to him a living sacrifice holy and acceptable god it's our reasonable service of worship and do not be conformed to this world see the world and its system thinks differently than god does so all the ideology, all the, the, the thoughts, all the, 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 the things, the systems and processes of this world really are not the way God wants us to live. He'll take the principles of the kingdom of God and integrate them into our life that we might operate in the midst of this world but not according to the course of it because the course of it leads to destruction and the end of the kingdom of God is life. So when heaven and earth pass away, his word remains forever. His principles remain true forever. So he said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of your mind to what? The renewing of your mind to the covenant that you have with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And what are the terms or the promises or the principles of that covenant and how can they work? And if we continue to renew our mind, that is the will of God. To have a covenant with him and the completeness or the perfection of that will is for each and every one of us to become Christ-like. That linked together as the body, there is a much larger body. By every member being Christ-like to create a fuller image to the world of Christ-likeness. Of Christ-likeness. So he said we, we renew our mind just not to the words but to the covenant that we have with him. And how we're in that place of covenant. So Hebrews chapter 10. 13, excuse me. Did I tell you 10? Sorry. Hebrews chapter 13. Starting in verse 20, he says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you, somebody say in me, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen. Forever and ever, amen. Forever and ever, amen. So the first thing I want to talk to you about today is just the bond, the bond of covenant, the bond of covenant. How many of you have ever heard blood is thicker than water? Anybody ever heard that phrase? Maybe young people don't hear that phrase. Maybe it's an old phrase. Blood is thicker than water. Well, see, it's digressed through time that we think the meaning of blood is thicker than water. We're not sure what water is, but we think family is tighter than anything. But really back to the origin of this saying, it really goes back to more ancient uh, Middle Eastern covenant cutting, and it was more phrased like this, blood is thicker than mother's milk. Blood is thicker than mother's milk. Well, it got to water in the sense that just like Jesus said, what's born of water is water. What's born of spirit is spirit. So it's talking that phrase about blood is thicker than water. It's talking or comes from an origin or an understanding of covenant, blood covenant making, which says that when you cut a covenant with someone else, that covenant should be thicker and more binding than a family relationship. See, we're already getting into Western mentality. <laughs> okay, wait a minute here. But see, if you don't understand that, then you start to back off and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Family's the most important thing. So let me just help us for just a minute. Because I'm not saying family's not important. But when it becomes more important than the covenant that we have, we bring even the whole family out from under that covering. So, Proverbs 18.24 says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so, if you take that first word, friend, uh, uh, the, the Hebrew word there just means a love or a lover. It goes into some depth of, of, uh, uh, you know, the intimacy of love. But then you start to trace it down and getting down to the roots of that, it comes down to covenant loving kindness or covenant friendship. Covenant friendship. There is a covenant friend that sticks closer than a brother. So those bound in covenant are stronger than even family relationships. Because a family relationship is what it is, and certainly the same blood flows through. But when you make a covenant relationship, you're saying this thing could only be broken by death. So again, it goes out there, but we understand this, that the covenant that we have through Jesus Christ, the power of sin was broken only by death. And us yielding our life up to him as a living sacrifice, the death of the old man, the old man being crucified, is what joined us into that covenant relationship. And that is to be stronger than any other relationship. 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 3, and we'll get deeper into this covenant between David and Jonathan, but just to talk about the bond of covenant and how it it, it, it works. It says, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. He loved him as his own soul. Or when they made a covenant, there was covenant love that I love you as I love myself. Hmm. So now our question, you know, he said, here's the deal. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm, now how do I do that? Because we're thinking about the neighbor, you know, at 372, whatever your street is. But he's talking your covenant neighbor. That when we're bound together in the body of Christ, the family of God, your brothers or your sisters, your neighbor in this particular setting, you love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because that's what covenant does. So he said they, they cut a covenant. See how the bond of covenant is there. Covenant mercy. So 1 John chapter 5. Starting in verse 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Born of God. Enters into that covenant relationship. Born again. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. She's talking about a covenant love here. But this we know, that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. So we enter into a covenant relationship, part of our terms of the new covenant. Jesus encapsulizes what's the greatest command of the covenant to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. In other words, with everything that you have, you're encompassed into one with God. And that oneness of that relationship is a love that is binding with everything that you are and everything that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So, if you say that you love God and you understand the covenant love that you have, then you love God. And if you love God, you love all those that are in the family of God. Because in covenant, what you understand is when you know and we'll get to this. When the a, a leader, when they did it in in ancient times, a leader of a tribe made a covenant with another leader of the tribe, and they cut covenant. It went down to the whole tribe, and they were created as a family. So he said, "Here's what I declare as the head. If you love me, and you're part of my tribe." and my family, they have just become a part of our tribe and our family. And no matter where you are in the lineage of this tribe right now, you will treat them just like you treat us because we've just become family. And so if you understand me as the head of the tribe and you love me, then this is what I've done to cut covenant, and so you love them as well. So it wasn't just the leaders who made the covenant, everybody connected in blood relationship, was joined by that blood covenant. So that's what he's talking. He's talking covenant language. He's made it so we can take terms and bring it into a, a, a different mindset, a Western mindset, and it still would apply, but not to the depth of covenant. Are you all with me? So he said, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's saying, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What depth do you believe? Do you believe to the point that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world that died for you and shed his blood. Believed to the point of entering into that covenant because when you did, you were enveloped by God's love into God's love by covenant. And when you were enveloped into God's love by covenant, you were enveloped into the whole family in heaven and in earth. Paul said, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ The father of the whole family in heaven and in earth. In other words, from generation to generation, an everlasting, an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. So then, Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus is walking the earth now. He says, now a great multitude went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Anybody ever struggled over that scripture? Yeah, because if you're just like, what is is he got? is he got an ego problem or what? No, he understands covenant. He said, if you're going to understand how blood is thicker than water, then you've got to put this covenant relationship before any other covenant relationship. And we're going to get to it. Because the understanding of the benefit of this relationship supersedes the benefit of any other relationship you could have. This relationship. And Jesus knows that. He said, if you're going to come and say you have a relationship with me, but you have deeper relationship with others you're going to be confused wondering why the relationship with God isn't producing what you want it to produce. Yet you're not really given fully to that relationship. And covenant says, I give myself fully to this relationship. And through that relationship, the other relationships are blessed and developed. God knows who your family is. He knows who your wife is, your brothers, your sisters. And he says, I want to bless those relationships. But if they're before me, I can't bless them in the way that I want to bless them. Praise the Lord. So the bond of a covenant relationship is powerful. The bond of a covenant relationship is powerful. And so we understand, in our mentality, we understand contracts more than we understand covenant. And really to understand the power of the blood covenant over a contract, we have to see a few things that show us why it has so much strength, or it should have so much strength and power. So Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11 God says this, he says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is not in ink. The life of flesh is not in ink. So even though we talk about binding contracts, we continually can break binding contracts. In our culture, we've learned to finagle and get away uh, with and get out of contracts. But if we lived in a covenant society, you wouldn't do that because if you broke covenant, it was worthy of death. Why? Because the life is in the blood. So when you make a covenant, you are vowing with your life. You're saying that. I'm making a covenant. If I break this, it's my life. So lest you get too concerned about it right now, Jesus just said that, I'll give you my life, and it'll never be broken, right? I died once, I'll never die again. So you can be confident in this covenant relationship. He said, "The life for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So he said, I've taken the blood, the life of innocent animals, and i put it on the altar to cover your sin, to cover it so we could have this level of covenant cut by the blood of bulls and goats. He goes on to say that the life of all flesh is in the blood, so I don't want you drinking the blood of the animals. You're going to offer their blood as a sacrifice to me because it's their life for your sacrifice. Don't be drinking their life into you. Right, the life of all flesh is in the blood. So Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. He says this, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no forgiveness. But it goes on to say that the shedding of Christ's blood does not just cover, but the shedding of Christ's blood removes cleanses all sin. And he said, where you understand this covenant action of his blood coming into your life and washing all sin, washing all previous blood traits out, he said that cleansing will set you on a path that there will be never another sacrifice or need of another sacrifice for sin for me because I'm no longer a sinner by nature. My sin has been totally cleansed. That his very life, his very sinless life is imparted to me through the communion that I have with his blood. See, everybody's mind's going like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He wants to get it. That's why almost everywhere Paul's making that point. But when he wrote to the Hebrew Christians, he was talking about not covering, but cleansing. Not covering, but cleansing. And making the point, the blood of bulls and goats could not, because it was not human blood, it could not cleanse. It could only cover. But the blood of Jesus, which was not only the blood of man, but it was the blood of God, commingled together in one person. A joint covenant sacrifice that would not just cover you, but cleanse you. If we could get that cleansed mentality, all of us, right? So do you ever make a mistake? Yeah. I'm with the Apostle Paul, and I'm getting it as I study it, but I've not yet apprehended. But one thing I do, I have to forget the past and keep pressing towards what I'm looking to apprehend. See, so often we're like, I'm trying to apprehend, but that seems so far away from where I've come from and the things that I've done, the mistakes that I've made and the, pro- the, the progress that I've made, good or bad. It's just so hard where I'm at to imagine apprehending this maturity, this perfection, this total cleansing that I just give up apprehending and I turn back to compromise. And Paul said, don't do that. You might not have a hold of it yet, but the reality of it is so true that if you keep moving towards it, just moving towards the mentality of being washed by the blood and being enter, entering into covenant with the spotless Lamb of God. Letting that wash over your mind instead of worrying about not sinning, not sinning. It's so hard to not sin. I turn from that to apprehend the cleansing that's in the blood. If I think, no, I'm not going back there because that's not me. I've been cleansed of that and I know it. Now, instead of fighting against sin, we're living for righteousness. But it's difficult to do that if your mind hasn't opened up to truly what covenant has done in its fullness. Because the life of Jesus was in his blood. So communion, just to get ahead of myself, so communion is so important. Because that type and the whole type and right and process of cutting covenant. There's a drinking of that. He said, this is representative of my blood. And so when you partake of my flesh, my body, and my blood, you are partaking of all that I am and all that I have, and you're becoming one with it. And this covenant ceremony idea we've lost track of, right? And so I'm, uh, again, get get ahead of myself a little bit, but the marriage covenant... The marriage covenant. I've watched the idea and the understanding on our culture of marriage covenant just break apart. You'll come in in these days, and you'll you know somebody who's been in weddings for a long time will say, uh, "I'm I'm here with the 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 bride or the groom's party," and they'll wonder what side they're supposed to sit on. We're like, "Ah, sit wherever you want. It don't matter." But in a covenant ceremony, you have one tribe over here with their representative, and you have one tribe over here with their representative, so that each one see the vow of joining together, and there's an evidence that these were two separate, but in these two representatives, they're coming together, and these tribes will be joined together as one from now on. In a wedding ceremony, you're saying the legacy of this family and the legacy of this family they may be separate, but in these two individuals, you're covenanting together, and you're bringing what was passed from these families into a new family that will take another generation forward of this bloodline. And then everybody celebrates, and you go to what you call a covenant meal. And in that covenant meal, everybody tries to hang around no matter how long the pictures take and no matter how long, whatever. Whatever. They try to hang around for what? The cutting of the cake. We're going to we'll see what's said, but just stay with me for a moment. The cutting of the cake. We might have all different kinds of things. Champagne, but in the beginning, it was a cup of wine and a Cake. and they were standing together and feeding each other the cake representative of my life, my body I'm giving as a living sacrifice, the action of my life to you, eat it. (laughs) It's like the anointing. I'm gonna have it in you and on you And now we are going to lock our arms together and drink of the wine, which means we are going to commingle in covenant our life. So many Christian couples, we, didn't, we don't understand that and the people watching. So they do a communion during the service. But then at the reception, they do a communion. The only difference is here they recognize communion But because our culture has drifted so far, at the reception they don't understand, we're doing communion. So if we understood covenant ceremony, we'd understand, wow, this wedding is really important. Not just to the couple, but to the future. And how the past comes together for a future. Because it's covenant. Covenant. Praise the Lord. How powerful is covenant. And so the purpose of covenant. So we see the power of that, that covenant bond, the strength of that covenant bond. We understand why it has to be in blood. Because you're sealing it with your life. With your life. Now again, where we are down the road in the covenant, you're like, man, I ain't shed no blood. But you were in Christ. That's why it's so important to understand that you were in Christ. Because he shed human blood for all humanity. He shed God blood for God's side of the covenant, for everlasting covenant. In Jesus, every human being was represented. As well as the Godhead represented in one man. Jesus Christ so you're like I didn't shed any blood in Christ you did and when you said I accept what you did for me you said I accept that was my substitute on my behalf and we'll see in a a week how that covenant representative We talked a little bit about uh, uh, Henry Stanley last week when he went to Africa He cut like 50 covenants, but some of those, his right-hand man cut for him. He shed his blood on behalf of Henry Stanley, but it was just as binding. So the purpose of covenant is always strength. It's always strength. It's always strength. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, Two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. So we cut covenant. Why? Because we know if we're alone without a covenant partner, we cannot make it. Right? The wages of sin was death. Without a covenant with Jesus, we cannot enter into a relationship with God. Because of what? The weakness of our flesh. So we enter into covenant with Jesus for strength, for strength, for strength. Genesis chapter 21, verse 22, Abimelech, you can look at Abimelech, um, came to Abraham. Now listen to this, what it says. It says, and it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol the commander of his army spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. See, he said, listen, we're going to make a covenant. That isn't just with me and you, but it's going to be with my kids, and it's going to be with my future generations, my posterity. That's how deep covenant goes. And Abraham said, I will swear. And then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. In other words, he said, if we're going to make covenant, you're going to give back that well. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has, I do not know who has done this thing, You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until this day, right? So he said, I'm going to fix that. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant, or if you read it, they cut a covenant that day. So why did Abimelech cut a covenant with Abraham? He said, it is evident that God is with you. So I don't want to be against you if God is with you because you have strength, the very strength of God backing you. So I'm getting in covenant with you for your strength that I don't have, right? And so there were things that Abimelech had that would be to Abraham's advantage, but you enter in for the strength that each one has. So that your strengths together overcome each other's weaknesses. So the covenant together is for strength. We have greater strength together where we find out strengths overcome weaknesses. Instead of just cutting covenant with somebody with the same weaknesses, we cut covenant for strength. So listen to this. I believe Paul was getting a revelation of covenant terms that he understood. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 starting verse 9. And he said to me, you, you understand the story, he got a revelation from God. He went out and preached it, and, and the devil didn't want the revelation to get out above measure. And so uh, Satan sent a messenger to buffet uh, the apostle Paul. And Paul asked God three times, take this from me. Come on, just get me out of this mess. I hate what, what these people are doing, coming behind and undoing the gospel and the revelation that I'm preaching, uh, the persecution that it brings. And we know this pretty, uh, pretty well. He said, I asked him to take it from me. And his answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, Paul understood covenant and he understood what grace was. It wasn't just something that had to come from somewhere. It was something that abided in him by his covenant with God. He said, for my grace, for my strength... My strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, listen, you're struggling in your strength with these messengers of Satan, but don't remember the covenant and take on my strength, and it'll cover your weakness. And Paul went. Come on, he was going around going, man, This is so hard. Every time I bring that revelation of Christ in them, some Judaizer, some religious person comes in to go, don't listen to that, Paul. He's not got revelation. Look at what he's done in the past. And Paul's like, man, this is tough to get this revelation out. And I know it's Satan doing this, but I don't know how I'm going to overcome what the devil's doing. Come on, God, get me out of this mess. And God said, I don't need to get you out of this mess. What you need is to recognize you have a covenant with me, and my strength is in you. My grace is upon you. And Paul went, you're right. So I glory in my weakness so that your strength will be revealed in me. He said, wow. So even the apostle Paul, With that revelation, under pressure, it could drift back. But God brought it right back to the forefront of his thinking. Listen, you have a covenant with me. You're not on your own here. And this whole thing is about my strength overcoming your weakness. Praise the Lord. So says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my weakness, in reproach, in needs, even in persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The understanding of covenant will cause you to know that there's strength that you have not yet realized. For situations that you've not yet approached, but that he'll lead you into, and you'll say in your own heart, I don't know if I can do that in my own strength, and he'll say, you can't, but that's why you have a covenant with me, because what you can't do, I can do, and he's going to call you to something bigger than you, and when we don't have a covenant understanding, we're like, no way, I'm insecure. I can't do that. And if I do that, I'm afraid of failing. But when you have a covenant mentality, you say, thank you, Lord. I know I can't. But you're here to overcome my weakness. So I'll step right out in my weakness that your strength might be seen in me. And covenant realized. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. For you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. We thank you for the covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. That it's not just a covenant that covers our sin once a year. But once and for all, we've been cleansed. And we're not outside The most holy place, any longer, the most holy place is in us. Bring us a greater revelation and understanding so that the days are ahead of us will not intimidate us, but we will know that wherever we go, we carry your presence in us, that your power might operate through us. To bring dynamic change not only to our life and our family. Not only to our church but begin to resonate outside. To a lost and a dying world. So we thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you. Father right now together. As a body of believers we pray over this prayer cloth. For this teenager. This young person. Young adult in this situation, this need of a miracle. We thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. That part of the covenant, that blood shed when you bore stripes upon your back and you declared that blood was poured out of your body that we might possess and lay claim to the healing that was released, the power of healing that was released, ratified when you shed your blood, sealed and secure when you raised from the dead. Now the power of the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that you've done it once and for all. We lay claim to that, to the anointing. And when this cloth is laid upon this young one, it's released flow of blood must stop healing and wholeness restoration come to fruition in their body in Jesus name amen Amen. praise the Lord if you need prayer for anything there'll be altar workers up here to pray with you to pray for you about anything if you say you know what I need to renew or or to make a commitment to Jesus in covenant they'll be here to lead you in a prayer of rededication or even salvation if you need that to enter into that covenant and the strength of that covenant with you. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall, you can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.